Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Well, hello, my fellow travelers. What is going on? Today is Monday. It's the 29th of March, 2021. I have not put out a show in about a minute. I tell you what, every time I think that I'm going to do a show, it seems like I get a little bit distracted. It's funny, I had kind of thought with a lot of this COVID stuff and uh, a lot of these lockdowns and all this other type of thing that I would actually be able to blast the shows out. And it just just hasn't worked out that way. And I'm not, you know, 100% sure why but you know sort of is what it is i guess anyway i am at a uh, destination here where i'm going to be waiting around for a little bit and so i thought you know what i will go ahead and bring my recording equipment and at least get a segment if not a whole show so before we jump in with the show let's go ahead and get that contact info posted i'd love for you guys to contact me give me your opinion on what you think's going on all that type of stuff So there is a voicemail, which is 206-745-2731. There is also the email address, which is firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All one word, P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L is how you spell the proton mail part. So again, firearmscafe at protonmail.com. And there you can send in an email or if you want to record your own audio, and send that in to me. That is usually going to be the clearest thing. And a lot of times, just on your cell phone, it'll do either a wave or an MP3 type file. And you can record that and ship that off to me, and I can get it out for you on the show. If you go over to the website, you will find all my social media stuff. There are buttons for YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we'll talk a little bit about some of the uh, social media stuff here in a second and kind of what I think I might do going forward. But before we get into that stuff, there also is on the website, if you like the show and would ever consider supporting it financially, there is a PayPal donation button there. And you can click on that and it will follow the on-screen prompts and it will allow you to do a donation if you would like or if you feel that you would like to support the show, but are just like, well, I can't really spend any money right now. What I would ask that you do is go over to the website, click on my YouTube button, and that will take you right to my YouTube channel and just go ahead and subscribe over there. All right. Uh, Let's, I think that's it for our housekeeping stuff. So let's go ahead and jump in with the show. And I guess what we'll do is we'll talk about some of the social media stuff. I am getting further and further. I've almost abandoned Twitter. I, I, I hardly ever post anything over there anymore. Facebook, I am getting farther and farther away from. Uh, and I still, but probably about the only reason I still keep it is that there are other things that I do and other groups that I have joined sort of in my personal life, I guess you could say. 
that still have pages and things and groups that I belong to there. And that's if it wasn't for that, I would probably be off of Facebook. I've jumped on to uh, MeWe or May, whatever it's called. And again, there's hardly anybody over there. There's a few people that are over there. And then I even tried out Parlor for a while. And then they got kind of uh, flushed down the toilet. And now they've kind of clawed their way back up. But I I don't know if Parlor is supposed to be sort of super right wing. The Some of the people that I follow aren't necessarily super right wing. So I don't really get kind of that as a as a picture of or or what's the word I'm looking for I don't feel that I'm sort of inundated by far right stuff and even if it was sort of a far right place if enough people went over there who were of different opinions and if parlor is going to be true to its roots and say well we're just going to be a free speech platform much like how me we wants to be then I don't you know you you could I'm sure probably tailor who you're going to I don't know subscribe to or follow or whatever and you know it, it could be done that way. The problem is I just don't know if if it ever will get that big. It's sort of, you know, the same thing with the YouTube versus whatever other platforms are out there. And it's a deal where YouTube is so big right now that it's almost impossible to be a content creator and not have some type of a presence over there. So anyway, and in the past I've explained sort of my feelings about that. So enough of that stuff. Let's go ahead and uh, start talking about some of the things that are going on here in Arizona. As many of you guys know, I do live here in Arizona in the Phoenix area. And we have recently, we're sort of uh, winding down on the legislative Oh, what session? I think that's the term that they use. So anyway, one of the, the a great website and a great organization that I belong to is the Arizona Citizens Defense League. I've talked about them a bunch. Uh, so if you wanted to go to azcdl.org.org, you can go over to their website. And I know some people may say, well, why would I care about what goes on in Arizona when I live in Texas or Ohio or you know New Mexico, something like that? And the good thing is, is you, if you did want to kind of maybe get a, a grassroots legislative body type thing or something, some type of a group that can actually maybe have a little bit of sway with some of your state legislators, then these guys, I think, have a really good template. Now, they don't get everything that they want, obviously, uh, and everything that we want, and not everything that they push, I would necessarily push for, but... You know, I probably agree with 99% of the stuff that they do and only disagree with maybe one or maybe one or 2%, you know, who knows. But anyway, what we'll do is we'll talk about some of the state laws that are looking to be passed here. Some of the crazy ones that we're looking to limit our constitutional rights out here. The face of Arizona has changed a lot politically and one of the things that I had thought about doing, I have a, um, and we'll, we'll get back to the political thing here in a second. One of the things I had thought about doing is I have a bunch of sort of uh, mobile studio type recordings. And of course, that's where I am right now. But I have some other ones that where I'm just recording into the, uh, into the iPhone. And what I thought about doing was, oh, I'll just kind of do, a, I'll, I'll edit those all together and just kind of do a compilation over the past you know, a couple of months of when I had stuff and just 
hadn't been able to get it edited and get it out to you guys. But a lot of that stuff, unfortunately, is was kind of current event centric, I guess. And a lot of the stuff that I talk about with the show sometimes is uh, is not necessarily evergreen content. Although I think you know, even if you came back and listened to it a few months down the road, it'd be you know, I think you'd still get something out of it. So I think I'm not going to do that. And what I'll do is I'll just kind of talk about some of the stuff. Uh, that has has transpired over the past few months, especially from what we'll call maybe a legislative or political uh, outcome or or political moves that are being made, and especially as pertains to us here in gun world. So, of course, we all know that uh, Biden is looking or at least considering or not throwing out the possibility of doing executive orders to enact certain types of gun control. We see that the Senate is hanging by a thread. And one of the things that I have talked about on previous shows, and I said, well, sometimes when I talk about, well, there's these Senate races here in Arizona, and here's why these things are important. And again, in Arizona right now, our, uh, our, our U.S. Senators are Kirsten Cinema and Mark Kelly. Cinema, and they're both Democrats. Mark Kelly never met a gun control thing that he didn't like. He is vehemently anti-gun, and he will fall lockstep without question into anything coming down from the, on the federal level that has to do with gun control. He will not put up. Uh, any any little bit of a fight at all, and with cinema, she is not exactly the most pro gun person. However, she is sort of mm, what's the uh, sort of bucking the system a little bit. So currently, they're trying to get rid of the filibuster. The Democrats are so that they can just sort of pass whatever. They can just ramrod everything through because of the current numbers. Cinema is one of the people who is saying, no, we, we are not going to get rid of that. I'm not going to vote to get rid of that. And then also, is it, uh, who's the other guy? Is it Manchin or Toomey? Some, one of those two, I can't remember. And the reason I always get it confused is a while back there was a Manchin-Toomey thing that was like a gun control type deal. I think it's Manchin. Anyway, he's has said, no, we're not going to. We're not going to vote for, I'm not going to vote for getting rid of the filibuster. And I think what they're doing is they're kind of playing the long game. And from that standpoint, they're saying, well, we're not going to get rid of it because probably in two years, the face of the Senate is going to change. And if we do this, they are going to ramrod stuff through because they're going to actually have the majority. So again, in, uh, so we'll see what happens with cinema. Uh, she's an interesting person. I have actually uh, sent some emails to her saying, you know, whether it ever get to her or not, I, I doubt. But I was, you know, urging her to, you know, stand up for the Second Amendment, stand up for people in Arizona. And we'll see what she does. I don't have much faith that she will, but I think there's probably a glimmer of uh, hope. It's just a little glimmer, uh, but at least it's not a black hole that we would find ourselves if we had another person like Mark Kelly. So speaking of Mark Kelly, his Senate seat 
the one that he occupies now has kind of a, I don't want to say checkered past, but it has kind of, it's an interesting story of it. So John McCain, uh, this is the seat that Kelly took over from with, with a special election that happened this last time. McCain had held the seat. He passed away while in office. He, uh, our governor, Ducey, appointed Sally, Martha McSally, to fill in until there would be a special election. So she was in there for a couple of years. Now, McSally had a big runoff against cinema, and she lost very narrowly against cinema. So, in fact, so narrowly that it seems like almost it kind of uh, strains, uh, strains credulity with that. But anyway, it was one of those things where she was ahead by 30,000, and then all of a sudden she lost by 30,000 or maybe even 60,000, I can't remember which it is, but she lost by what she was ahead of, which means that when these late votes came in, there was 60,000 extra votes that Cinema got that, and probably even more because there was still would have been some other votes for McSally. But anyway, McSally lost that race. She was then appointed by Ducey. And then at this last election, Kelly won. He, he took over the seat. Again, very narrow, uh, especially in state politics. It probably wasn't that, you know, uh, it wasn't that surprising, especially when we see that the four-year campaign against Trump in the press, whether you like him, whether you hate him, not necessarily talking about him, uh, but it almost seems, I don't want to say impossible, <laughs> that somebody like a McSally, who never really, I don't think, came off as likable, and I think she kind of tried to cast herself as a, a Trump Jr., and I've talked about this stuff before, but what that means, uh, you know, her, her, the way she, the, the, the way that cinema ran her campaign against her was she was very moderate. I'm going to be very moderate. I'm not going to just toe the party line, blah, 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 blah. McSally sort of did the opposite. She said, hey, I'm Trump Jr. You know, look out, build the wall, build the wall, all this other kind of stuff. And what Mark Kelly did was he took a, he took a, a lesson. He learned a lesson from how cinema ran her campaign. And that's how he ran his campaign. McSally tried to do that a little bit, but she just couldn't pull it off. And I think, unfortunately, uh, again, she, the way her campaign portrayed her, I guess she didn't really come across as very likable. And whether you believe it or not, a lot of times politics are, again, popularity contests. Do people like you? Do they, you know, do they want to stick you in there? All this other type of thing. So anyway, what, what I'm hoping will happen is that the, we can sort of stand firm for the next year and a half. And then Kelly's seat, because it was a special election. So normally, of course, the Senate term is six years. Kelly's seat is only for two. So at the, at the midterm elections, he, he will have to run again. Who the Republican Party is going to put up against him, I don't know. If it is, if they shove McSally up there again, he, he's we're done, and then he'll have six years, and he won't. He's just going to do whatever the party tells him to do. If we get somebody else in there, I think it will be better for Arizona. I actually think with some of the other state issues that we have, that Cinema isn't necessarily bad. Uh, she's not maybe who I would want in there, but you know. You sort of get who you get type thing. So what I'm hoping is, is we can get rid of Kelly because 
we've got, you know, Biden in there. And I think what's going to happen, and I've talked about this in the past, but one of the things that the Democrats do is they will, when they sort of feel that they have the upper hand, they throw everything that they've got and they throw it up against the wall and whatever sticks, they count that as a victory. So if they throw a hundred things up against the wall and one of them sticks, hey, that's good for them, even if it's not really what they want. And it doesn't seem that the Republicans really do that. And again, oh, and you know, one other thing I want to talk about real quick here. Mitch McConnell was talking about if you guys push this filibuster through, and he understands, you know, he's this long, long, long in the truth politician who understands how everything works up there. And he kind of thinks, and it will probably go this way because generally the party that's in power generally will lose a seat or two. So the Republicans are going to kind of come in as sort of as an underdog. I think that they will probably gain a couple of seats and they'll, they'll tip the balance of power back in the Senate at least. I think they may gain a few more seats in the House. And so I don't know if it'll be enough to sort of tie things up a little bit or not. But anyway, if they do that, I don't think we'll see a lot of gun control stuff coming from the Senate. I don't if and again, if they take the Senate back, I don't think we'll see a lot of pro-gun stuff coming through. But speaking of that, one of the things that McConnell did is he said, if you guys push this filibuster, this no filibuster thing through, when we gain back the Senate in two years, we will ramrod all this stuff through. And he starts listing stuff off. And one of the things that he listed off was concealed carry reciprocity. And he and I thought, oh, so what that really meant was and what I took from that was and some like and tax cuts and some a bunch of other stuff. But what I really took from that was, oh, what that really meant. And I've said this over and over and over is that when the Republicans were in power, they did nothing, right? And they knew what a lot of their base wanted, which was a lot, there's, there's a lot of, the, the vast majority of probably Republicans, or even if you're sort of in the middle, but you lean a little bit to the right, you're generally going to be pro-gun, um, pro and you're going to be anti-gun control. And so he understands, oh, something like that, we could push that through, no problem, even if we attached it to some dopey thing like, oh, you've got to go through this special federal program and you get a little star on your state permit or something like that. So anyway, when I heard that, I was like, you, you filthy little rat. Why didn't you do that when you had the chance? Why didn't they push some of that stuff through? Why didn't they? And, you know, what they would probably do, too, or could do is they could pass legislation to get rid of things like short barrel rifles. You just say, no, you, you, if you have this, it's a rifle, it's a rifle caliber, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, or barrel length doesn't matter. You can put whatever you want on there. Uh, and like I said, I've, I've talked about a lot of this stuff since I'm blue in the face, but anyway, let's get over. And since we're talking about some of the, the bills, the, uh, house and Senate bills that are kind of going through, some of them have sort of kind of died on the vine, so to speak. They either don't get a hearing or they don't get out of committee in time and they and they the bills are effectively dead. So right now, as of, I think, uh, maybe yesterday or we have, uh, or maybe of last Friday, 
I'm trying to look here and see when it was. Uh, looks like as as of okay the 19th, which was about 10 days ago. So I don't. But the email I got was dated on the 27th. So anyway, what they're saying there was a House Bill uh, 2111, and basically it was Second Amendment unenforceable federal laws. And basically what it said was that if uh, any act, law, treaty, rule, or regulation that the United States government that uh, violates the Second Amendment would be unenforceable in Arizona. And additionally, state and local government resources could not be used to enforce any of those things. So any act, law, treaty, rule, or regulation of the U.S. government that violates the Second Amendment. So that is still kind of up and floating around. As far as some anti-gun stuff, there is uh, 2448, which was a three-day waiting period. That didn't meet the uh, deadline, so that died. There was, uh, and these are all by a guy named Randall Freeze. Uh, he also would make, wanted to pass a thing uh, about uh, firearm sales transfers and background checks. It would make it a Class 5 felony to transfer a firearm unless you surrender it to an FFL and background checks are conducted on both you and the transferee. The transfer is so broadly defined that it could include simply handing your firearm to a family member or friend. That thing, uh, again, died back in February. Another one from uh, good old Randall would require... Doctors and nurse practitioners involved in pediatric services to lecture parents and guardians about the risks of gun ownership, gun safety, and proper storage. That died. Uh, another anti-gun one was red flag laws, uh, or they call them like severe threat order of protection. And this is something that our Republican governor was kind of getting behind. And I think he's sort of backed off of that a little bit. Uh, but it proposed red flag law that uses civil proceedings to forcibly confiscate your firearms based on claims from family members or school officials with, in reality, there's virtually no recourse or appeals. That failed. Uh, another one by good old Randall Freeze would outlaw the mere possession of a bump stock or any part combination or parts component device attachment or accessory that is designed or functions to accelerate the rate of fire of a semi-automatic Rifle, and that would include aftermarket trigger. Uh, this stuff could include, I guess I should say, aftermarket trigger. So anything that smooths it out or maybe gives you, they could technically define it. Oh, that's, uh, that's a better trigger and it's smoother and it's lighter. So it lets you fire it easier, which increases the rate of fire over a, let's say like a mil spec trigger. So that thing died. Uh, another one from Randall Freeze would give FFLs access to the state's uh, CCW permit database and require an FFL to confirm the permit's validity when conducting a firearm sale. In Arizona, if you have a valid CCW permit, then you don't have to go through the instant background check. You can just show them that. You still have to fill out paperwork and stuff. They just don't do the background check on you. Um, and generally... DPS or Department of Public Safety out here, which is kind of highway patrol, sort of oversees the permit process so that if you're arrested or if there's a complaint, they basically, um, to, to where it was something that would invalidate your permit, they, they come out and they get it from you. 
Uh, let's see. There was a pro one. And I think this may still be floating around. It said, with listed exceptions, would exempt CCW permit holders from the prohibition of entering state and local government-controlled property while armed. That thing is not going to go anywhere. I can tell you that right now. There is a thing that says if a certain uh, political subdivision, so cities or towns, if they destroy, seize, and surrendered firearms, that there could be a civil penalty. So what I think what they're supposed to do out here is they're supposed to offer them up for sale. But I could be wrong on that. I could be mistaken. Um, they wanted to, um, there was another one, 2581, where they wanted to, oh, they would basically be getting rid of private transfer. So out here are private sales. Out here in Arizona, and I think in Georgia and a few other states, you, you can meet up with somebody, and as long as you don't believe that they are a prohibited possessor or a former felon, you can sell that person a firearm or you can buy it from them as long as you don't think it's stolen, that type of thing. Also, that one would limit your purchases to once per month. And they would be required to report anybody that buys multiple firearms, so more than one, in a 90-day period to the police. And visual and audio recording of sales and maintaining the database of the guns you buy. So basically registration. So that's not going to happen out here. Um so that died back in February. Uh, let's see, there was a, another one that created a $1,000 civil penalty if you don't have your firearm or your ammunition locked away and secured to, their, to whatever their standard is. So that died. Uh, there was an overly broad expansion of who can be classified as a prohibited possessor. That thing died. Uh, there was a couple of those. A lot of times what will happen is one of them will go through the Senate and one of them will go through the House. Or sometimes they'll, they'll send multiple things that just, they, they kind of get reworded and so they get resubmitted, that type of deal. So another one would be, it would require surrendering of your permit as part of criminal sentencing or being the subject of orders, of uh, or protection orders. That's kind of, there's already stuff that's sort of in place with that, so... But that died, and that's probably why they that one died. They are looking to do some civil af, asset for uh, forfeiture reform. There we go. And I don't know. I think that one's still alive. There was one that was going to say that it would prohibit discrimination, mostly probably from uh, municipalities and things, that if you had a business that dealt in firearms or accessories, that it was or ammunition that it would prohibit them from kind of you know quote unquote discriminating against that business that thing died and in fact it never even passed out of the house that is republican controlled at this point so you know again we talk about everybody talks about all oh, the republicans they really want to you know they're they're our friends nah, not really so there is one that i like and i think it might get out i don't know as of the 24th it was still alive and this is misconduct involving weapons on school grounds so it would remove the requirement that a firearm must be unloaded when secured in a vehicle on school grounds so why that would be important is let's say that you've got your gun on you you're driving up or you're dropping off your kid the way that it works in arizona 
you have to, before you enter school property, take that gun out, unload it, which means a round out of the chamber, and I think have the magazine out. And then when you pick your kid up and drive off, you need, you're supposed to maybe pull over, I guess, and then reload. Uh, you know, if you're going to carry around in the chamber, put your magazine back in. So again, it's making you handle guns when you don't necessarily need to. I think it might also, if you keep, let's say if you had to go in for a meeting on the school, of course, even with a permit, you cannot go on inside the school building or on the property. It has to be secured in the vehicle. So if you're going in to have a meeting, you would need to do that. And of course, you don't want to just put in your glove box. In my truck, I have a, an actual gun safe. So it would be extremely difficult, not that it would be impossible, but it would be highly improbable that somebody can actually get into that thing. Um, of course, anybody can get into anything. Uh, let's see. Again, more stuff about you know, having to go through, through an FFL, basically ending private sales. Oh, there was some game and fish stuff. There was another one by uh, Juan Menendez, who was, it would basically nullify the no duty to retreat. We don't have that in Arizona right now. You know, if you were in the statutes justifying the use of deadly force or self-defense, so that died. Again, another three-day waiting permit, or, or, or a three-day waiting period, excuse me. Um, there is, uh, there's some other things here that, a lot of these things, they kind of get sort of um, reworded, and so sometimes they get, but again, it was another thing that was going to do that deal where anything that violated the Second Amendment or anything that violates the Article 2, Section 26, which basically deals with, you know, firearms in Arizona. Uh, that thing died, passed out of the Senate, but failed to get a committee hearing, and again, in a Republican-controlled House. So, and this one is one that I don't, I don't really care about, but I would probably oppose it. This is one that they, they uh, supported. And it was it would reduce the hunting and fishing license fees for military veterans and allow the transfer of veteran-held permits or tags to someone taking wildlife on behalf of a veteran. That I wouldn't, uh, I, I wouldn't, that second part is, is fine. But, you know, like if somebody was, had been injured and they can't, they used to hunt and they can't now uh, because of their military service, that's fine. Again, I think it can be one of those slippery slopes. And uh, when I opposed this a few years back, I got a lot of hate mail on it, and I may get it now. I don't know. But you don't ever want to legislate, and we, it's done a lot in this country, but you don't want to legislate second-class citizen status onto people just because they haven't served in the military. And I'm not going to go too deep into it, but it's easy then to say, oh, did you were you a government official? Well, guess what? You don't have to pay this or you don't have to pay that or you're exempt from this, which we which they're already in there. Uh, we there's already a bunch of stuff like that here in the state already. And so, again. And it seems like it's a small thing and it's kind of a nonsense thing, but I don't like the fact that, oh. If you. Basically, we're kind of the arm of the state whether you want to look at it that way or not, you, you get a benefit that the, that other, that the regular citizenry doesn't get. Either we're all equal 
and we're equal under the law or we're not. And there should not be special privileges for people just because they work for the government. Uh, let's see. And so here's another one. Again, I don't support it. It died. Um, and then the, the fishing license, hunting and fishing thing died anyway. Um, but this one said, would exempt active duty military veterans, peace officers, current or retired, from the CCW permit fees. Well, that's kind of, again, we don't want to give special status to people that work for the government. If, if they want to, uh, and here's the thing, if you're, if you're because of that Police Powers Act or whatever the thing was called, basically, if you're retired law enforcement, I think you retired in good standing, you carry wherever you want. Unless that thing, somebody out there tell me, did that thing get kind of knocked back? Because my understanding was that once you had been a sworn officer, you, uh, you, you didn't have to worry about, you could carry pretty much anywhere you want. You could carry anywhere an active on-duty cop would carry, which would pretty much be anywhere except for like inside a prison or inside a courtroom, that type of thing. Uh, so let's see what else. Blah blah blah. There's one I think that is still floating around, um, and it's Senate Bill 1382, which would classify ammunition and firearms-related businesses as essential during states of emergency. Now we've seen in other states a lot of times they'll say, "Well, there's a state of emergency, and so you cannot buy or sell firearms, or you can't get any ammunition because there's a you know a state of emergency." So. We'll see how that one goes. Uh, there was a thing about deadly force, and it got uh, it was going to limit that, and it got done. There was a thing again, and this sounds like well, maybe is that a good one? I don't think it is because again, that what what it does is it lets them define sort of how you store stuff. But it basically said it would make you a criminal if a minor can access your firearm. Again, a lot of this stuff is so broad that does that mean just in your home? Does it mean in your vehicle does it mean if you had your shotgun like in the old days people used to have like gun racks in their homes that would be like a glass cabinet and they would have their shotgun and hunting rifle in there well technically a kid could you know if they wanted to could break the glass and get access to it you know so uh there was another one if you didn't do it in a in a locked container storing your firearms that one died uh this one unfortunately it died. It said it would codify your right to keep and bear arms under the Arizona Constitution and prohibit impairment of that right by the legislature, the state, or and any agency or political subdivisions. So I didn't really expect that one to go through. They're not really going to give up that much power, so that one died. Some of these are just repeats here, and I'm not going to go over them. This one died, and it was one that would, it, it was uh, SB 1785, and it would prohibit homeowners associations and landlords from restricting possession, carrying, transportation, or storing of firearms and ammunition. Most HOAs out here do not have that type of power. Um, however, there are some type of things if you're renting, if you are, and I don't think it's been challenged in court. Because at there, there's a lot of laws out here that basically say, you know, if you're even in a city that didn't uh, or a place that didn't allow 
firearms normally if you were in a hotel or something you still have the right to have it because that's considered your home so that thing died it was probably i don't even think it got a, a maybe a committee hearing deal so um but well and again i think it died just because there's probably some of that stuff in place already so anyway that's kind of about it for some of the uh, the legislative session, some of the, the bills and things that had been kind of proposed, some of them that died. We will see what I would like to see them do, and I may I may kind of write some guys. I've actually talked to a couple of guys uh, that are in the legislature before in the past and actually you know spoke with them, not just their office. But what I would like to see them do is maybe do a thing where they say, well, in Arizona, you can you know, maybe start pushing back against the federal government and against ATF and saying, well, well you, can, you can have a short barrel rifle if you want. It doesn't matter. We're just, it's just going to be classified a rifle. Barrel length won't matter, that type of stuff. So anyway, that's it for that. Um, like I said, I had done some shows in the past or had recorded them but just hadn't got them edited so I don't think I'm going to bring some of that stuff up. But again, what we see just overall, we see that, that the Democrats under Biden, under Harris, you know, I think Harris just recently made a statement where, uh, you know, after some of the recent shootings. And, of course, we're seeing this all the same stuff. And, you know, they're looking to try and, and push through gun control on it. And, of course, she came out and made some statement like, oh, we're just trying to, you know, figure this stuff out. We're not trying to take your guns. We're not trying to do all this stuff. So which is a lie. But here's what I will say is good about that is they still feel the need to say that. And we know that they don't mean it, but they, they are still saying it because I think they just don't have the stuff to really push stuff through. And I also think maybe that they are realizing they've kind of overplayed their hand. People are sort of tired of a lot of the nonsense. They're losing a lot of people off of their base. Now, and now, to be fair, the Republicans are losing people, too. But what's happening is it seems like, and again, these are these are very specific representative samples, I guess, that I'm looking at. And I'm probably in a little bit of an echo chamber with some of this stuff. But I'm seeing a lot of people that used to be what you would consider center center left or left of center just a little bit, but they were pretty much just kind of a moderate person. And the left has gone so far, and what you're seeing portrayed in the media has gone so far, that a lot of those people are leaving. You're also seeing a lot of the stuff, um, kind of getting back to the, some of the social media stuff, and again, it depends on, you kind of get, with their algorithms, they kind of put you in these echo chambers a little bit. But I've seen a lot of people who, um, uh, and just to, you know, uh, people of color, things like that, who are saying, man, I'm getting tired of all these people saying that all white people are racist or that if I am uh, a black man or a black woman or, a, uh, uh, you know, if you're somebody like me, you're mixed race, so you're Hispanic and white. And they're saying, well, even though you're that, you're a racist and all this other stuff. And people who normally would maybe consider them more Democrat themselves, more Democrats or were more left leaning are saying, you know what? There's still some kind of left stuff that I believe, but man, this is going too far. And they're kind of 
being embraced a little bit more by conservative people who even say, well, if I disagree with you, I'm not. Now, this obviously isn't everybody, but it seems that there is much more reason discourse coming from that center leaning to the right a little bit and not like the far, far right because they're just as bad as the far left. But when you look at sort of in libertarian circles and maybe right-leaning circles, and I'm not necessarily talking about political parties because that's just all nonsense, but people who actually kind of have more of a philosophy of, oh, you know, these are my values, that type of thing. So I, it, it seems like when people leave the Republican Party, if they either go down maybe the libertarian or they go over to more of a, an anarcho-capitalistic type thing where they're just like, oh, I'm done. But those people still want to own guns. And a lot of times when people come from the left and they sort of maybe cross that, they're still moderate, but they're starting to, on a few issues, they're starting to put their foot on the right side of the line. Those people are like, oh, I used to be against guns, but now I'm for them. And then even with, again, groups like Antifa, groups like BLM, a lot of those people who traditionally were going to be anti-gun are wanting to arm up for their reason. Are the reasons good, bad, you know, that's that's for you to judge. That's for you to decide. But again, I think we're seeing that. And two, when the pandemic happened, there was just mass, massive explosion. And there's still we're still uh, dealing with uh, some of the um, firearms and things like red dots and magazines. Although you can kind of get some of that stuff. Ammunition is still sky high. Um, and so I think that they are kind of taking a little bit notice of that. And maybe they're going to kind of pull back a little bit. You know, I, I don't know. You know, one of the things I was talking with my wife about the other day and I was saying, you know what, if the Democrats were smart and I was and, and we were I was saying even like and, and we were, th- were talking a little bit about cinema and Kelly and sort of the differences. And I was saying if somebody like cinema wanted to stay in, if she would come out as being pro gun, she would be in that seat forever. Because Arizonans would keep reelecting her. And here's why. Here's why I think she would probably never, ever lose an election, as long as she didn't go super loony on other stuff. So if she just stays sort of moderate, like a moderate Democrat, but who is staunchly pro-gun, which unfortunately she's not. But if but if she would steer herself this way, you would get a lot of people that are Republican or pro-gun that are going to vote for her because they're going to say, ah, you know what, on this other stuff, I don't really care too much. She's kind of moderate on this, that and the other thing. And the other stuff we can kind of deal with. But she's not looking to take my guns away. And she's not looking to make me go through background checks for ammo and all this other stuff. And the people that are on the left or on the Democrat side, they're never going to vote for that Republican replacement. And you could, you know, you could say, well, Tony, don't you think that that would be the same for for people on the right side of the aisle? Don't you think or politically felt more like in the Republican camp or conservative camp? And I don't think so. I think that people would say, you know what? She stood up against the filibuster. We'll see if that, if that, if she doesn't cave into the pressure. She stood up to that. She she stood up to her party against gun control, or at least trying to, you know, not uh, impose. You know, maybe she doesn't strike a blow against us. That type of thing. And if she would do that, but again, if she would come out as pro, um, getting behind some pro gun stuff, I I think she'd be in office for as long as she wanted to out here. It will be interesting to see, uh, and then I'll kind of wrap up on this. It will be interesting to see the face of Arizona politically in the next probably 
well, I guess what I should say before I, I jump too far down that rabbit hole, I was going to say in the next probably five to ten years, but probably what we'll we'll see is the next couple of years. So our Republican governor is up is, is I think he's out. I think he may be term limited. I could be wrong on that. Uh, and then we're going to see is uh, is Kelly going to maintain his seat? Cinema has I think uh, four more years. And then we'll see if she maintains her seat. But like I said, if she would just do some a few pro gun things, <laughs> I don't know if you could get her out of office with a crowbar and a and a uh, a backhoe. I think she would be fully entrenched in there. Uh, so anyway, let me know what you guys think. Also, if you let me know sort of the political situations in your states, especially I'd, I'd love to hear from you in Georgia. I know that they had a special election. One of the one of the uh, things that they lost was a special election. So I don't know if it'll be similar to Mark Kelly's type deal. Uh, or do you just know of other states out there, even if it's not your state? other states out there that are going to have some runoffs. Do you think the Republicans are going to gain some ground here? Um, again, I think they made Trump out to be such a demon that it was going to be hard for the Republicans to really kind of even maintain control. I, I was surprised that they didn't get trounced worse than they did. Um, so anyway, let me let me think. If I got anything else I want to say, I was going to go ahead and give the uh, contact info again here for you. Um, I think that's about it. I, uh, I'm going to put up a video. It's, it'll be a real quick, like, 30-second thing. My daughter had... Oh, well, we'll talk about this. I had taken uh, my daughter out. She came up and just sort of out of the blue said, Oh, I want to go shooting. And so we went, and we went out to one of these open ranges... I just took the 22 out, and I had also taken my, I needed to side in my uh, Holosun, which I really like, by the way, on my um, PCC. And I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do a little bit of follow-up with that, too, here. Anyway, I took her out. She wanted to go shoot, so I took my suppressor, the little 22 suppressor that I have, and she loved it. And I tell you what, the ammo that we were using, and I think it was just standard uh, CCI, and I think it's uh, 1,070 something. So I think is subsonic. What's subsonic? Is it subsonic anything under 1,200? Am I crazy? What is subsonic? I can't remember. Anyway, one of you guys write in or yell at me or something like that if you want. Uh, but anyway, we were shooting just sort of standard velocity. And coming out of that suppressor, it sounded like a loud finger snap. Like if you snapped your fingers relatively loud but not even like super loud. And uh, we ended up, we were shooting in this bay. We had it to ourselves for a while. Then a couple of older gentlemen came up and uh, I let one of the older guys, he was probably in his mid seventies or so. I let him shoot that and boy, he got a kick out of it. Um, but she did quite well. Of course, there's no, with that 22, there's really no recoil that you're going to feel too much when you're shooting it. And the sound is again, it's like a finger snap. You're just, it's, it's and you probably won't even do on this. That's kind of about what it sounded like. Maybe a little bit louder than that. I may, in post, I may up the volume on it a little bit and we'll see. But anyway, I love that thing. And in fact, a while back too, I had taken my wife out with that and let her shoot that. The same gun, the same little pistol that I have, a little 22. 
And she, it was funny, she made the comment, she was like, oh, you know what? All firearms should be suppressed. And I was like, yep, you're right. <laughs> you know? And uh, so we had a, I was like, you know, well, you know, they tried to do such and such, and but I, you know, government kind of let us down again. So anyway, the reason I talked about the gentlemen that were with my daughter and I is when you watch the video, and I'll, I'll maybe try and mute down their gunfire so that you hear basically just hers. And I may, I may just mute that all the way out when I put it up on, uh, on YouTube. But you'll hear, and I'll try and mimic it to what we were hearing. So when you watch it on the video, that's what you'll, what you'll hear. And I think, on the, at least on the video on my phone, when I listened back to it, it was relatively accurate. So anyway, go over to YouTube, check that thing out. It will be up prior to me editing and putting this show out. So go over, check out my YouTube channel. It's Every Blade of, Every Blade of Grass over on YouTube. I have some gun stuff there, not as much as I would like to do, but I'm doing a bunch of other stuff, kind of like home, you know, professional homeowner type thing, as, uh, as uh, what's his name, Wrangler Star says, and uh, just showing some home repairs and, and kind of whatever else floats my boat and some car stuff and things like that. So uh, also one of the things, this is, a little off subject, but one of the things that I am going to do is I've got some uh, kitchen stand mixers that I'm uh, that, that I've um, I'm going to fix up and maybe try and sell here uh, in, a, in a few weeks. I've got to get some other. I want to get. I could go ahead and, and get some stuff done, but I want to get. I'm building a sandblaster, and so there's some stuff that I need to still get and get that thing going. Uh, so anyway, enough of that stuff. Um, Oh, one last thing. Here's this will be the last thing for real. So, I do have a PCC video up on YouTube, and I talk about the Stern Defense magazine adapter. Well, what's happened is the um, it stopped. It still feeds and ejects fine. I was able to fix that ejection problem, but it no longer the bolt hold uh, feature function, I guess, of it no longer works. And so I have, I tried to call Stern Defense about 15 times. No way to leave a voicemail. It just rings. It just goes to busy. I then sent them an email probably about four or five days ago. Haven't heard anything about uh, back from them. I'm going to send them another email and we'll see if they get back to me. I'll try and call them again. Um, and I'm going through how they say to contact them. So we'll see. Hopefully I'll hear something from them maybe today. If I don't, like I said, I'll send another e uh, email out tomorrow. I detailed what the problem was, and I was, I'm not even saying, oh, let me send it back to you, fix it for me. I'm saying, you know, is there a spring? Is there something you can send me, and then I can just fix it myself? So we'll see on that. If they do get back with me, I will let you guys know. Also, if they don't get back with me, I will let you guys know. Uh, I think... If I had it to do all over again, I don't think I would have gone the route that I did. Uh, but at the time, again, what some of my options were, were limited. I think what, uh, I don't know. I'm a big fan of the MP5 and even of, I think it's Zenith makes a really good clone. And of course they're licensed through HK, so it just doesn't have the HK stuff on it. Uh, but pretty much it's an HK. You know, it's it's basically like a you know a uh, instead of it being a Russian AK or a Chinese AK, you know the Zena thing would be like having 
you know, like a, not necessarily a Yugo because those are different, but it would be like having like, you know, a good Romanian or a good uh, even Yugoslavian or some of these other AKs that are out there that were um, licensed to, you know, uh, by the Russians and stuff like that. So anyway, um, what was I saying? Oh, so I, I, I think I probably would have gone a little different route. I would have either gone with a a full firearm, maybe from Foxtrot Mike, or I would have maybe wait if, if knowing what I know now, I would probably either go. I would probably just save up the money, and of course this is before everything blew up. But I probably would have saved up the money and either gone with that Zenith, the MP5 clone, or gone with an actual HK, saved up the money. And done that, or I would have elected to go with a CMMG Banshee. Uh, I've heard uh, from what I've seen, it's a, you know it's a good gun. So we'll see on that. Anyway, like I said, with mine, that bolt hold feature doesn't work anymore. I'm not sure why. It almost seems like when I'm looking at it, it almost seems like that little bolt hold thing. There's a little basically like a lever, and so when the follower comes up on the magazine on that. Uh, then you've got an empty magazine, your follower comes up. It's supposed to press on this little lever, and I think what that lever is supposed to do is actuate something that pushes up that bolt hold. And I think something in my uh, in my uh, magazine adapter, something isn't working right. Something isn't activating that lever, and it's not allowing that thing to come up. Now, it, it worked before, and I'd fired a bunch of rounds through and it would lock back. It would lock back on empty magazines in there and it, it, it just doesn't do it anymore. So like I said, hopefully they'll let me know. Uh, or maybe if somebody out there has one and they're like, oh, this is what your problem is. It's, you know, it's this and it's an easy fix. Or, oh, no, you're going to have to send that thing in and they're going to have to take care of it for you. All right, my friends. I tell you what, I think I've rambled on long enough and uh, it's almost an hour. Whew. So I will uh, give you the contact information. Again, let me know what's going on politically in your states. What do you think is going to happen? All that type of stuff. Uh, And heck, even if you don't want to do that, call up on the voicemail and say hi, which is area code 206-745-2731. 206-745-2731. And even if you just say, hey, this is, you know, Tom from Utah or something like that, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Just let me know that you're out there still. I know it takes a little time. It's a little bit of a pain in the ass, but uh, I sure would appreciate it. Also, if you want to send in an email, uh, either you agree with me or disagree with me, or you want to send in some audio, send that stuff in to firearmscafe at protonmail.com, and I will put it out on the air for you. All right, my friends and fellow travelers, I will talk to you guys next time.
I'm not gonna get 